Our story of faith this morning comes from Jamie Smith, who is a professor in our philosophy department. He shared with me a couple weeks ago his own personal journey into the church, into the body of Christ, and his journey came through the Pentecostal charismatic stream. And here he is now at Calvin College in the Reformed stream. And I think his story is really interesting and good for us all to hear as we are thinking this year about what the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit is. So, Jamie, please come and share your story with us. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks for the opportunity to share the story. Uh, it's, a, it's a little intimidating, actually, to admit being a Pentecostal sometimes in a Reformed uh, context. It's a little bit like... Um, uh, sort of being at intermission at the ballet downtown and you let slip that you kind of like NASCAR and country music. Uh, and it clears the room. You're, you're standing holding uh, your glass by yourself. Uh, maybe I should start at the beginning a little bit. I, I was not raised in the church. Uh, I grew up in a little town in southwestern Ontario. Became a Christian. Was saved the day after my 18th birthday which was back in the days when we had grade 13. This was through my wife's influence. She was uh, then my girlfriend, uh, doing a little missionary dating, which I don't encourage, but it does work sometimes. Um, had a rather Damascus Road kind of experience, abandoned all my plans to be uh, a wealthy architect, um, and instead felt a call to some sort of ministry and went to a little Bible college in Dubuque, Iowa. Sometimes wish I had stuck with the wealthy architect plan. Um, through, uh, uh, it, it, it's sort of a long and, and convoluted and at times painful story, we um, were formed and shaped in a very, very conservative, evangelical uh, tradition that in some ways actually defined itself by being anti-Pentecostal, uh, that prided itself on knowing that the gifts of the Spirit had ceased with the end of the Apostles. And so it was, um, no one was more surprised than me when several years later our faith pilgrimage as a family actually took us into the Pentecostal church in Stratford, Ontario. And um, God kind of showed up and uh, rattled my intellectual frameworks and uh, rattled my spiritual cage at the same time. And, the, and the, the, maybe the interesting part that makes this uh, uh, somewhat relevant to what we are about here at Calvin is at the same time that I was being immersed in um, the Spirit's activity and presence in a Pentecostal church and, and being formed and, and embraced uh, by charismatic worship, I had started this master's degree in philosophical theology at the Institute for Christian Studies in Toronto in the Dutch Reformed tradition. So I, my, day, my weeks kind of looked like this. I'd spend the week reading Abraham Kuyper and John Calvin and Herman Doivert, and then Sunday we'd show up at this Pentecostal church where things were kind of crazy sometimes. And I had never um, experienced much tension between those two things. The church's and the, this academic community and the, the Reformed and Pentecostal bits didn't meet up very often, but I felt like they were sort of meeting in me, and they seemed to fit. There was some deep resonance I experienced between the two. Um, and what I want to suggest today is that my being charismatic actually makes me a better Calvinist. 
you can entertain that for a moment. My being Pentecostal is actually, for me, a way of being more Reformed. And let me, I want to track this just according to a couple of themes. Um, Reformed folk praise and value and honor and make central the sovereignty of God. So Calvin and Kuiper and the theological tradition that nourishes our work here at Calvin has put the sovereignty of God at the center of it. God is the sovereign Lord of creation, of the universe. God is free from uh, um, having to meet our expectations. God is sovereign in his election of the people of God. And so there is the sense in which sovereignty is at the very heart of the Reformed tradition. And I think there's an interesting way in which Pentecostals live out a spirituality that takes that sovereignty really, really seriously. In particular, I think Pentecostal spirituality and charismatic uh, worship takes the sovereignty of God so seriously that you might actually be surprised by God every once in a while. You take the sovereignty of God so seriously that you are open and expectant, in fact, that the Spirit of God is every once in a while going to surprise you because God is free to act in ways that might differ from your set of expectations that you've been bringing to that encounter. In fact, I think you can see that right in the DNA of the church. And in fact, right at the very heart of Pentecost. The church, you'll remember, is Pentecostal. <laughs> that is, the birthplace of the church that makes us the body of Christ is Pentecost. And what I find really interesting about Pentecost is not just, there's kind of crazy stuff going on at Pentecost. I don't, we sometimes domesticate that a little bit when we're reading Acts chapter 2. But there's crazy enough stuff going on at Pentecost that other people looking around are going, who are, what's going on? Who are these people? What are they doing? And I think the heart of St. Peter's Pentecostal spirituality is not just that he's participating in the surprise of the Spirit, but that then he has the courage to stand up and say, this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. That is, his, his, his horizons are sort of overwhelmed enough and he is open enough to God's doing something new and doing something different. And eventually, he is able to have the courage to stand up and look at this kind of madness that is that Pentecost Sunday. And he realizes and has the courage to say, this is God. This might not be how, you know, when Jesus ascends and they're waiting for the Spirit, I don't think they were guessing it was going to happen like this. But the, the heart and soul of that Pentecostal spirituality is not actually the stuff, but having the openness and courage and expectancy to see that God is in those manifestations and to say, this is what God was promising. This is what the Spirit has brought to us. That means uh, um, taking God's sovereignty in worship in ways that... You have to learn to do. That, that's the tough part. I mean, I, I, I think as Reformed folk, we 
absolutely are committed to, to God's sovereignty. Where we struggle sometimes is I think we have sort of learned habits that need to just be loosened a little bit. I'm the last person to be anti-liturgical. But there's something about a Pentecostalized Reformed spirituality that just loosens up our expectations enough that we are open to God showing up in ways that we wouldn't have anticipated. And we don't immediately kick back into fear. But we're actually open to seeing what's going on here and having the courage to say the Spirit is at work there. That's the sort of thing that I think is embodied and embedded in Jonathan Edwards. A great, the greatest American theologian ever. Who you know, would be standing at his podium in Connecticut and reading monotone. And thou should be wary of the fact that thou art but like worms over the fire and that any moment you... And you know, this is not, this is not some sort of uh, 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 psychologizing. He's working up the mass. And yet crazy stuff starts happening in the revivals in front of him. And people are moved in the spirit and their bodies are convulsing. And there's these overwhelming manifestations of, of physical spirituality. And Edwards, the reformed theologian, is discerning enough not to just write this off, but to say there's something of the spirit at work in there. So Pentecostal spirituality actually is a spirituality that takes the sovereignty of God seriously enough to be surprised by God. The second theme that really resonates for me um, I don't know if you've heard much talk around Calvin about creation or, or maybe the goodness of creation, yeah? Uh, um, so we tend to talk a bit about the goodness of creation. I'm all for it. I'm a sold out, I'm a convert to everything. I'm a convert to the Reformed tradition. I'm a convert to the Pentecostal tradition. I am a sold out, actually, convert to creation, fall, redemption. I think it's brilliant. At the heart of that or at the beginning of that, is this affirmation of the goodness of creation. And a really important piece of that is an affirmation of the goodness of embodiment. Yeah, we talk like that around here. We affirm the goodness of materiality, of the sort of stuff that we bump into and of these bodies that we inhabit. That's why I've always found it a little strange that sometimes our Reformed worship, sometimes, I'm a friendly critic here, okay? But, but sometimes it feels like we worship like we're brains on a stick. Yeah? There's this way in which we, 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 all week long we're sort of talking about how good creation is, how good embodiment is. And then, then we sometimes have habits of worship that treat us as if we were these brains on a stick and we're coming and we're going to deposit all these great doctrines and ideas in your head and transform you into disciples. And, and the body doesn't show up that much. Pentecostals embody their spirituality. Right? Pentecostal spirituality, I think, is the extension of that reformed intuition about the goodness of materiality and the goodness of embodiment. Let, let me give you three quick examples. First, um, Pentecostals believe in healing. The, and they don't mean spiritual healing. They mean physical healing of bodies. And they think that that's part of what the cross is accomplishing. 
And they don't just believe it to expand donations. They believe it because implicit in that practice is an affirmation that God cares about our bodies. God doesn't just want to shape your soul or save your soul. God also cares about your bodies. And I think the Pentecostal emphasis on physical healing is a working out of that affirmation of embodiment materiality. Second way that you see this in the Pentecostal tradition. Um, we use our bodies in worship, <laughs> right? Pentecostal worship is sometimes a little messy because I'll tell you, there are times where there are bodies everywhere, right? I still remember the first time at Bethel Pentecostal Tabernacle in Stratford, Ontario, home church to Amy Semple McPherson, in fact. I still remember the first time I raised my hands in worship, right? And you feel like an idiot, right? And you're... And that's the point. <laughs> Do you know? That's the point. There is this, this... For me, to be in a position like this is one of such vulnerability before God. And humbling, especially if you come with, you know, stories about how sort of important and smart you are. To sort of be reduced to this, or to this, or in really good Pentecostal church, to this, Yeah? <laughs> When the Spirit's really moving, there's something, that is a spiritual discipline. And it's, it's, a, it's an openness and vulnerability embodied in how we worship. Pentecostals take seriously what Reformed folk talk about, about the body. There's a third sense in which I think that we embody that materiality and that emphasis on embodiment. And it's touch which is our theme for chapel this week. I think one of the things that Deanna and I miss most about being sort of daily immersed or weekly immersed, well, it is almost daily immersed when you go to a Pentecostal church, is the role of touch in worship. In Pentecostal, I'm going to pick on my on brother Kenneth here because we share the same story. In Pentecostal worship, when we pray for one another, you come over and you touch one another, right, brother? You put, you put your hands on people when you touch. And it happens every day. There's prayer going on, and there's something being channeled in charge when the community expresses itself in that kind of touch. Pentecostals live out that embodied affirmation in their spirituality and in their worship. And that's why I don't experience much tension, to be honest, between the, these core aspects of Reformed identity and charismatic spirituality. And I think that we at Calvin are in a place and we as a community can embody that uh, uh, meeting in, in an important way. I'll just say, invite you to remember that the church's DNA is Pentecostal. And one of the exciting things about living and inhabiting Pentecostal spirituality is, in fact, it's also an invitation to worship like the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah? The, the, the explosion of the Spirit's work in world Christianity looks like Pentecostal spirituality. And I think it's important for us to not be scared of that, and in fact, to see in that an invitation of the Spirit to live out the intuitions that we talk about all the time. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, we thank you that you are a sacramental spirit. That you don't 
ask us to trust in ethereal ideas, but that you are the God who embodies yourself in the Son, who continues to be embodied in the church, and who touches us when brothers and sisters lay hands on us, who meets us in embodied worship. Open us, make us expectant to be surprised by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to close with an old, uh, kind of a Pentecostal favorite in the 70s and 80s. There is a Redeemer, number 145.